Hey, uh, we spend a lot of time in life trying to get out from under things, right? We're overwhelmed, we're overexhausted, we're overworked, come on, we're overstressed, we're overpressured, we're overburdened. So life comes at us and hits us, and it kind of makes us feel like that we're, we're like in a depleted bank account with life. You know what I'm saying? It's like we're living in the red, and it's like we're thinking, if, if today I can just be better than I was yesterday, if today I can just have more energy. So we go and we're buying, like, you know, cases of Monster Energy drink from, from Sam, so we can can have some energy so we can make it through the day. Come on, are you with me? I don't have a problem with Monster Energy drink. Or if we don't have our coffee, oh, come on, like somebody else, um, they, 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 you know, we've got to have that to make it through the day. And so many of us, are, we're just kind of living in the red, and we think, oh, I did better today, but it seems like I just, I take one step forward and two steps backwards. How many of you have been there before? And it just kind of feels like this with maybe habits in your life or patterns in your life, but it feels like you always feel like you're kind of a little bit defeated, maybe in certain areas, or maybe you feel like this in your life. But listen, God has more more for you than for you to live life defeated. Come on, are you with me? You are not defeated, and you are not to be beat down, and you are not to always be discouraged or depressed or concerned or worried about things, but God has given you and provided for you through the cross, through the finished work of Jesus, an ability to live an overcoming lifestyle, and that's what this series is going to be all about. Listen, God wants you to get over what you have been under. Come on, that's good preaching. God wants to put you over what you have been under. And, and my tendency as a pastor is just to kind of tell you, just get over it, right? Not really as a pastor, but as a person, that's my tendency. It's just, uh, just get over it, you know, just, just man up, you know. <laughs> that's kind of my, my, my answer for everything. But listen, as your pastor, I really want to help you to rise above the things that are keeping you down, that you can get up, that you can get above these things, and you don't have to live there anymore. Say, so I ain't going to live there anymore. Listen, whether it be mindsets, insecurities, sin issues, it's time to rise above what's holding you down, to live above life's circumstances. We were created in the book of Genesis. We see, and we talk about this a lot because we believe that this is the mandate of humanity, that God put man on the earth for dominion. That God put us here to subdue the earth, that we would rule over things. God has created us to conquer, that we would walk in dominion over this thing called opposition, right? Come on, how many of y'all have some opposition going on in your life right now? How many of y'all have had some opposition? I know I have. I'll be the first one. This week, you've had opposition. And the opposition is going to come to us, and we're going to talk a little bit about opposition tonight and how to overcome it. Now, there's this chapter tucked away kind of in the middle of the New Testament called Romans chapter 8. If you came to me and you said, Josh, I want to I want to memorize a, a passage of scripture. I want to re- memorize a whole chapter. I, I would, without question, say Romans eight. Memorize Romans eight because Romans eight is kind of like the discourse of victory. It's like it shows us really how to live this thing that God has put inside of us out. And it says, I'm going to read a portion of it tonight. Are you with me? Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-eight. It says, "We know, I love this. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good." of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes for them. Oh, come on. We could stop right there. We could build a series on that right there. Everything that is happening in and around you, God is going to work it for your benefit. 
Come on. There, we, we talk about the name. Oh, I'm just going through this. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. I'm going through that. Listen, God's going to work that. He's going to turn it around. He's setting you up for something good. So just be patient. This is the promise from Scripture. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to be like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called, uh, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. We call this righteousness. Come on, are you with me? Listen, righteousness is not something you do, it's something you are. God does that. You don't, you don't pick righteousness. God picks righteousness and you say yes to it. And having given them this right standing, righteousness, he gave them his glory. Oh, what shall we say about such wonderful things? Things as these. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't, we also, won't he also give us everything else? Whoa, let me read that again. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave, up, gave, up, gave up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one for Christ has died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is seated. He is seating in the place, sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecution or hunger or uh, destitute or we're in danger or threatened or with death? For as the scriptures say, for, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory. Now, one translation said, uh, several translations uses the word, it says that we are more than conquerors. It doesn't just say that you're a conqueror. It actually says that you're more than a conqueror. So like you have like the losing column and then you have like the winning column and then you have like the winning, winning column, right? You have the more than conquerors. You have those that are losing those that are living in the red, you have those that are living in balance, like in the black a little bit, and then you have those that are living the abundant life. You have those that are living, what it says here, with overwhelming victory. Enough victory, not just for your life, but also the life of those that are around you. That's why they come to you. That's why they come to you for counsel, because you have more than, more than enough victory in your life. You actually have some for them too. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, nothing, nothing, nothing can change God's affections for you. Nothing. Now, you can say no to it. Come on. But it doesn't mean that he decides to stop loving you when you tell him no. I want to talk tonight a little bit about opposition. I'm going to give you three things real quick on opposition. Understanding kind of the way it works. First of all, opposition will come. 
When we talk about victory, when we talk about being an overcomer, when we talk about being righteousness, righteous, when we talk about uh, being uh, loved by God, we're not saying that because of those things that nothing bad's ever going to happen. In fact, quite the contrary. Opposition will come. It's guaranteed. Listen, did you know that there is no victory without a battle? There's no freedom from battle, but freedom in it. Listen, God didn't promise you, say, oh, no, you'll never have to go through anything. In fact, Jesus said the opposite in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus is a promise. You can write it down in your Bible promise book. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus guarantees that we will. And we see this through the disciples, man. They try to kill them. They try to beat them down. They were always struggling. There was always this battle going on in their life. Overcoming opposition does not, does not mean that we can pray or believe away our troubles. But I can have victory in the midst of my troubles. Man, I've seen a lot of people go through a lot of things in my life. And it's crazy that, that, that it's really those that are really trusting Jesus, that's when we shine. I watch people that don't have the Lord. They don't have hope. And what happens is some opposition comes to their life. Somebody, a family member dies. There's something devastating. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that those things shouldn't affect us to a certain degree. But, like, their lives are devastated. It's like they can't do anything. And I see those that have lost so much. And they're still full of hope. And they can still smile. They can still have the joy of the Lord on their face. Why? Because it is not rooted in their circumstances. Their, their freedom is rooted in Jesus. Our hope is in him. So when you get through with this battle that you're going through right now, there'll be another one. Let's hope that we're not fighting the same battles tomorrow that we're fighting today. Come on. Because as we grow, the battles will be new. Are you with me? As you grow, the battles will be new. You might get over your anger problem. Young man, you might get over your pornography problem. But there's going to be another opposition that's coming towards you later. So what you've got to do now is you've got to beat these things So you have some history, so you have some strength for the next battle. And it's not, God's not the one that's tempting you. By the way, book of James. (laughs) So opposition's coming. Number two, opposition may refine you, but it does not define you. Opposition may refine you, but it does not define you. And that's exactly what the book of James talks about. He says that these things come against us and they actually make us stronger. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really define who we are, but it refines who we are. We are already righteous, so these things are just coming and they're, they're making us a little bit more solid. They're making us a little bit more trusting in God. You are not, let me just tell you this tonight, you are not what has happened to you. You are not defined by the snapshot of your worst moments. In fact, it's not something that's wrong with you that you keep facing opposition. It's something that's right in you is the reason why you keep facing opposition. Because you have destiny. Because you have purpose. Because God has a plan in your life. Because God is working the good of those that love him. Because of that, the enemy hates you. And he wants to take you out. Because he knows you can influence those around you. He wants to take you out. So third of all, opposition is an indicator. What happens with us most of the time when opposition comes, if it's not in the form of sin, which is kind of feel like we're hitting tonight, but opposition come like we're, we're trying to get something that we feel like God's promised us and we're going after it and all of a sudden it's like door closed, door closed, door closed, door closed. And we say, well, I guess it's just not God's will because no door is opening. Quite the contrary. 
In fact, it's probably God's will if it's more difficult to get there. This is just the life of faith. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not God's will. In most cases, uh, opposition is an indicator that you are doing the right thing. I have this saying that, that, that I got picked up a long time ago, that if the devil's not on your back, it's because he's on your side. And so if you've lined your life up with whatever the enemy has for you, and say, oh, man, I'm not really facing, I'm not living for God, and I'm not, I'm not facing any opposition, exactly, the devil's got you right where he wants you. Why would he do anything to disrupt that? And for some of us as believers, sometimes and the enemy's got us buying into a lie. And we're just like, well, this is my opinion. It's going to change. It's just who I am. That's the enemy talking. You need to face the opposition. You need to get, develop an overcoming lifestyle to, to deal with some of these weaknesses in your life. With God's help. Come on, are you with me? Are you all all right tonight? Okay. Let's talk about overcoming opposition. So we know that opposition's here. It's here to stay. We're going to face it. It's going to refine us, and it's an indicator that we're doing right. So we, we just know that opposition's going to come. All right? I got good news for you. Although opposition is coming, there is something stronger inside of you than the opposition that is outside of you. And it's time to rise above what's keeping you down because you have the power over it. The first way that we overcome opposition is by recognizing our position. Our position. Listen, we are in right standing with God. The very reason why the opposition is coming against you is because of that very fact. Listen, the word oppose or opposition, it comes from an old Latin word and it means to set against. It's to set against, but the word position means to set into place. So what happens is when God sets us into place, the enemy comes and brings opposition to remove us from our place. But we've just got to stand firm in our position and know that it's secure in God. Are you with me? So don't buy into the opposition. Recognize your position. Freedom is not contingent upon the strength, the strength of your opposition, but the security of your position. Let me say that again, because I know we're saying a lot of issues tonight. Freedom is not contingent upon the strength of your opposition, but the security of your position. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can oppose us if God is for us? 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is is the Son of God. We overcome by belief in Jesus. That's what makes us right. You see, you cannot be defeated. You are unstoppable. It has nothing to do with your size, your strength, your stability, or how well your life is organized or structured. But because you are well positioned in Jesus, you cannot be defeated. So we overcome opposition by recognizing our position, number two, through the posture of prayer. Listen, Jesus, Jesus had to have a prayer life. Now, there's nobody that has a more secure position in all of eternity than Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the Son of God. You can't take that title away. It's just who he is. 
Come on, Jesus is the great I am. He is God made flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus. But Jesus had to develop a prayer life. Jesus had to develop a prayer life. Did you know that? That Jesus would actually, Jesus, Jesus had to pray. So if Jesus had to pray, being the son of God, having all authority, had to pray, how much more are you going to need to pray? (laughs) Some of you are like, oh, you know, my prayer life, it's kind of weak. You mean you don't really have one, right? Because you don't ever have any time where you're spending time before God. Listen, Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, his disciples are there. I was, I was kind of getting this crazy like download a while ago thinking about this. Now, there's two kinds of praying that was happening in the Garden of Gethsemane. Actually, there was only one kind of praying, but there was two kinds of praying that was supposed to be happening, but somebody wasn't doing their job. But Jesus told the disciples to watch and pray. They were watching pray, and Jesus was going to go pray a little bit more intently. In fact, so intense praying that he couldn't watch and pray, he could just pray. Right? He knew what was about to happen because of his, you know, the, the, the knowledge that he had, because he was infinite in knowledge. He knew what was about to happen, so he knew that he was going to have to pray to get the strength to go through the cross to do what he did for us. Are you with me? So he said this in Matthew 26, verse 38. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Did you know that Jesus got overwhelmed? I mean, that's a pretty heavy burden to carry, right? My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus is saying, I'm dying. I'm so overwhelmed, I'm dying here. So stay here and keep watching me. So he said, you watch and pray. I'm going to go and and not die. I'm going to go pray so I can stay alive. Listen, if you can't find some time in your day to encounter the presence of Jesus, you will never find resolve in the midst of your opposition. I said, if you can't find a little bit of time in your day, you're not going to be victorious and you're not going to find freedom. You're not going to find resolve during that moment of opposition. You will give in to the the opposition. You'll get discouraged. You'll, You'll be beat down. You'll feel defeated. All these kind of things until you learn to pray. Until you learn to pray. You say, well, I don't know how to pray. Teach me how to pray. All prayer is is doing right now what I'm doing right now with you. It's just talking. It's just having a conversation. There's nothing real super spiritual about it. It's just a conversation. So if you need some help, you go out, you buy you a good worship album, go buy you a, you know, a Bethel CD or something and stick it in your car and sit in your car for about 10 or 15 minutes before you leave the house. Just get in the presence of God. If that's what it takes, whatever it takes to get into his presence and to have some communion, you will never, ever, ever have victory in your life until you can have victory over your discipline to do that. And sometimes you're not going to feel like doing it, but you've got to want the victory more. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, now the, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we sung that tonight. Not on purpose either. Pretty good. So it says, where God's spirit is, there is freedom. Well, God's spirit is always here, yes. But there is something about when you encounter Jesus, whenever you invite him into the atmosphere of where you're at, when you start having communion, the chains begin to fall off. There is freedom in his presence. You've got to find that. Listen, peace is not found in the absence of opposition. Peace is not found in the absence of opposition. It's found in the presence of Jesus. That's where you'll find peace. And no matter how difficult it is, that's where you're going to get your peace. That's where you're going to get your strength is by being with him. 
You know, I, I tell people oftentimes, especially people that just have issues. I mean, I have issues. And so I know this from experience. 99% of our issues can be resolved in read your Bible and pray every day. 99% of your issues. Now, that might not get you a job. Come on. That might not raise your kids, but it'll give you solitude. It'll give you stability. It'll give you life. But you've got to do it. Isaiah 59, one of my favorite scriptures. Sorry about the sound tonight. We're just having all these kind of crazy things happen. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. How many of you have heard that before? When the enemy comes in, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And many times what we think is when, and, and I, what I challenge your thinking on a little bit tonight is move the comma. Let's read that a little bit different. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So when the enemy comes in like opposing you, the Lord, like a flood, will lift up a standard against him. So read that a little bit different. He said, well, Josh, are you sure we can do that with the scripture? Let me tell you something about that word standard. That word standard in, in, scripture, in scripture was a warrior term for, a piece, for a, 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 basically a piece of armor or a, p, a piece of battle material, battle paraphernalia, right? And so many times a standard would be like a flag, a flag would be a standard. They would paint, you know, their tribe or something on there. You know, you guys have seen flags. They were just like a flag that the guy would go out and wave. The standard barriers were always the guys that were first to battle. So a lot of times what would happen is they would have a guy that was a standard bearer, but he didn't have it like on a flag. He had it like on a shield, but not like a little shield, you know, but like a shield like the size of a door. You guys have seen them like SWAT teams use and stuff, like this huge shield, and the guy behind that was the standard bearer. And so what would happen is whenever they would go to battle towards their enemies, this guy would run out. He would start running out with this big wall thing and just, bam, hit the enemy and strike first. He would strike first. It wasn't a defensive thing where he just kind of hangs out and goes, okay, guys, just stay behind me. I'll protect you. I'll protect you. No, it was an aggressive force saying, let's go. Strike first. And so what happens is with the enemy comes in like a flood when you're righteous, when you are the one that's right behind Jesus, what happens when the enemy comes in is as the Lord comes in like a flood, bam, strike first. And what did Jesus do on the cross? Strike first. Your victory's first. You've won, you have won the victory like a flood. He has come in and he has destroyed your enemy. He has no power over you. Damn, I'm about to get Pentecostal up on her. <laughs> this, uh, several years ago, uh, a spiritual son of mine, I was in my office and uh, I got a phone call. There was this kid that came to our ministry in El Paso, and uh, I'm just going to say his name. His name is Quincy, and Quincy had been in and out of our ministry, and, you know, he was there sometimes, and he'd be there for three or four months, and he just struggled, man. He could not serve God, but he'd always show up, you know, every once in a while because he knew that he needed Jesus. And so one day I'm at my office. I want to say it was like a Thursday, and I get a phone call, and I recognize the number, so I answer the call. I'm like, hello. He's like, hey, man. I was like, what's up? He's like, this is Quincy. Okay, Quincy, what's going on, man? He's like, I need you to come over here. I'm like, what do you, what do you need? You need me to come over there? I was like, me and my girlfriend, 
well, we're living together. I was like, I know, I know. He's like, she went and watched this movie last night. She'd been, like, freaked out. They're, like, demons on her. Like, he was tripping me out. I was like, oh, dude, what are you guys doing? You know, so why are you calling me? I haven't seen you in months. You know, just leave me alone. And so uh, I was like, okay, man. I was like, he's like, y'all just need to get over here and pray. I was like, okay, it's a good opportunity. And so I was like, man, I need to take somebody with me. (laughs) And so I got on the phone, and I called a couple people, and they couldn't come. And so I called called, uh, a spiritual son of mine, Squashy. And we called Josh uh, the Squashy, and uh, that's what we called him, but his name is Josh. And uh, so I called the Squash. I was like, man, I was like, you need to come with me, man. I was like, we're going to go drive some demons out of this woman. And so I'd never done anything like that before. You know, I just, I just knew I needed to go buy like a collar and some holy oil and a big cross. I knew if I did that, that, that I would be okay. And so, <laughs> so I called up a Squash. I picked him up, and we're driving in my truck. And, man, we just we start playing some worship music. It was about a 10-minute drive over there. And we just started praying. We didn't really have the cross and the oil and stuff. We probably should have, but we didn't. And so we're just praying. And God, I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that when we walk on that door, that those demons will have to flee because you are in us. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so, so we get out, dude. We're like, we're pumped. We're like, dude, it's on. We're going to go, like, beat some demons. And so we were excited. And Josh was like, he would do this thing like this. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, let's go. And so. We go in, and he's like, he's all fired up, and we knock at the door, and Quincy opens the door, and his eyes were like lit up, and he's like, when y'all knocked on the door, everything just changed, and I was like, all right, so we went in, and we talked to him a little bit, he said that as soon as we knocked on the door, that she, that she calmed down completely, and walked in the other room, and went to bed, and so we walked in there, and we visited with him a little bit, I was like, man, you guys need to get your life right, and he's like, I know, I know, and you know, just had this great conversation. But listen, it's not because we were so great or because we had, you know, trust in some kind of non-foot cross. It's just because we said, greater is he that is within us. And we believe that. When we knocked on that door, those demons, I believe with all my heart that those demons flee. That they had to leave. Why? Not because we were there, but because Jesus was there. The standard bearer. Bam! Strike first. You ain't going to take this one out. So number one. You gotta be aware of your position. Number two, the posture of prayer. And number three, in the presence. Because it brings the spirit. Come on. Number three, perspective. We talk about perspective, we're talking about heaven's perspective. Right? You know that heaven's perspective is different than ours. Like, I flew last weekend. I had the opportunity to go do a wedding in Knoxville, Tennessee. You've never been there before. It's beautiful. And on the way back, we were flying back last Sunday morning. And uh, it was awesome. I had, like, this whole road to myself. I was like, I had my computer. I was like, ah, oh, this is good. This is good. You know, and so we're getting into the Dallas area, and I start looking out my window. You know, I'm like, I wonder if I could see something, you know, that's in my city. You know, like a little kid, you know, looking out the window. And I could see Joe Pool Lake over here. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was watching my GPS on my phone to see exactly where I was at, so I knew it was coming. And so I got there. I was like, man, it's like Joe Pool Lake is pretty big, pretty big lake. I mean, it's not like the biggest lake like in the world or the Metroplex or, you know, or whatever. So I'm like, but it's a pretty big lake. And so I'm like, man, this, it's crazy how small everything looks. And I'm looking like at the distance, kind of in the area that my house is in or where the church is. And I can see all the construction that they're doing. And everything could just fit in this little area of like my hand like this. In this little window, I could see all of Grand Prairie and Arlington and all these things because I had to go up. I got to 
new perspective. And all of a sudden, things didn't seem as far as they seemed before. But it's sometimes we just got to get a different perspective. There used to be a song that uh, Ron Canoli used to sing. This is way too old school for you guys. And it said, we're going up to the high places. We're going up to the high places. You guys ever heard that song? We're going up to the high places, going to tear the devil's kingdom down. It's pretty awesome. And so I, uh, you guys never heard that song, Ron Canoli? Oh, man, you got to look it up. Like, I'm sure it's out there. It's great. And I remember seeing that song and be like, yeah, we're going up. Listen, we've got to start looking at things through heaven's perspective. You're going to have to go through things to get to new places. You're going to have to go through it to get to it. But I'm telling you, God has a plan in the midst of your difficulty. And it's really not that big of a deal. It is right now. It is right now. It's so hard. I know it is. I know it's so difficult. It's the biggest battle. But in five years from now, you're going to think, man, it's actually pretty easy. I learned so much about Jesus during that time. I've, I've noticed this, that through the most difficult seasons of my life, I look back and I go, man, it was really hard. And it was like draining me every single day. But, but really, it really wasn't that bad. And man, I learned so much about Jesus. There was such a, a glory during these times. And I could see how the Lord took care of me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, we are pressed on every side. You you, you get this. The disciples who Jesus writes, the, the apostles who writes the New Testament through, we're faced with things that we just don't know about here in America. I mean, you know, we want to grab about Obamacare, you know, how a website doesn't work, or, you know, somebody cuts us off to work and we throw a fit, right? And so we need, over, we need victory because of my bad attitude because somebody pulled, pulled out in front of me in their traffic. Well, these guys were dealing with, like, real stuff, right? They were like, you're going to die probably tomorrow, just like your best friend died that was serving Jesus. I mean, that, that's like opposition, how many know that even through death, they still won? See, you can't lose. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Verse 17, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So do not look at the troubles that we can see now. Change your perspective. We fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. Paul is telling the church here, listen, you got to rise above what's keeping you down. It's not about the difficulties. It's not about people dying around us. There's always a greater hope in Jesus. You're never hopeless. There's always a greater level We must start looking through things. Listen, when the enemy throws bricks at you, you lay down foundations. You say, okay, I'll take that one. All right. 
I remember as a kid, I'm closing with this story. I would, you know, when I was little, like not tall like I am now, but when I was little and I couldn't see over like fences, right? And you guys know how fences are. They have the bar right here and they have the bar right here. And so I remember as a kid, like I had some neighbors that lived next door to me. They were, they were named the Redmonds. And so uh, they had like, their dad was a welder. So they had like all this cool stuff, you know, it was like super redneck awesome backyard, you know what I'm saying, like Disney World in their backyard, and so they had like a trampoline, they were like rich, yo, they had a trampoline, <laughs> they had, you know, this handmade uh, swing set, they had all this cool stuff, at one, one point in time, they had chickens in their backyard, I mean, like, who has chickens, you know, uh, and I remember uh, sometimes when I wondered what my neighbors would do, I remember I'd go and I'd look between, when I was really young, and I'd look between the cracks of the fence, you know what I'm saying? You've done that before, and you're kind of trying to look through the cracks of the fence so you can kind of see what's going on, so you can get a, a little bit different perspective than just looking at the fence. And then I remember as I got a little older, I would, I would put my foot up on that, that little step there. It's not a step, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a joist, I guess. It's some kind of stabilizer for the fence. And I remember I picked that up and just try to look, just try to look just a little bit higher. And the, the more I grew, the, the, the more I could see. I was gaining a better perspective by the more that I grew, the more that I developed. And I remember as I got a little older, I could just see right over the fence. If I went back there right now and just look right over there, I couldn't, couldn't do this 30 years ago, right? I mean, 20 years ago. And I remember they, they built this fence, and I remember climbing up there. I remember as a kid trying to get a different perspective. I remember trying to climb trees and couldn't climb the trees. And so what would happen is we would do this thing, and we would tell our friends, they'd say, give us a boost. And so what they would do, come here, Taylor. What they would do is, they'd say, okay, man, I need, I need to go to a higher place. I need to go to a place that I can't get to alone. And so they would do this. Come on, you know the drill, don't you? You put your foot in there. You don't have to do it. You're scared. But you know what I'm talking about? Do the boost now. You're good. You're good. I don't want to hurt anybody, myself, tonight. <laughs> I remember trying to climb that tree in my front yard. I could never do it alone, but I'd, I'd call my best friend, Corky. I'd say, come on, man. Give me a boost. And I think tonight, I think Jesus is saying, let me give you a boost. Can, you, can somebody come up and play a minute, Jaden? I believe tonight that God wants to give you a boost. Wherever you're at, the opposition with the place that you're trying to get to. And you, you can't get there on your own, but, but you're secure in Jesus, and he's giving you a boost tonight.